Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you, but first we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddments, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is Was Sirius Black a good godfather? Hey there listeners, I'm Jem, and I'll be arguing that yes, he was a good godfather. And I'm Rhea, and I'll be arguing that no, he was not a good godfather, he was a terrible godfather. (laughs) Gosh, terrible, that's harsh words, harsh, harsh words. Well, he deserves it, he's a lunatic, (laughs) he's just not a good godfather. (laughs) Okay, first before we start making value judgments on Sirius, I think we should establish what makes a good godfather, first of all. (laughs) Okay. Yes. I have a big question. Yeah. What is a godfather? I don't understand. Well, I have the answers because I did some research. I, already, I knew this already, but I wanted to get it in like the correct words. So traditionally, a godparent or godfather, godmother, whatever you want to say, was responsible for ensuring a child's religious education was carried out and for mm-hmm. the, caring for the child should something happen to the parents. So obviously nowadays, the religious aspect isn't so important and it's usually just more about like... okay having someone to rely upon in case the worst happens and the parents die and then the child can go live with the godparents or the godparent. Some expectations. I looked up expectations of what a good Mm -hmm. godfather or godparent should be. The godparent should provide guidance to the child. The godparent always represents a place or person to go to for the child outside of their parents. To be another ear is the phrase that was used. And that the godparent is the child's adult friend, that they have an equal relationship. Mm-hmm. That one I thought was very cool. And, like, so there's also the aspect of, like, housing and caring for the child as well, should the worst okay. happen. That, that's, like, those are, like, the basic understandings that people have for what a godparent should do, is house them if the parents die, and then all these expectations of, like, providing guidance um, okay. to be another ear and to be, like, to treat the child as an equal and not as a child. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you're putting a lot of emphasis on that for a certain reason. Here's here's my take on that. I think there's two mm-hmm. different kind of roles that a godparent needs to fulfill. Yeah. The first role is if the parents are alive. Yeah. That's when you are the kind of godfather that you're describing. You know, you're supportive, you give guidance, but you're mm. like a cool, chill yes. friend. Like an honorary uncle that they can come to. But I think the role changes very much if the parents die. If the parents die, then the godparent isn't like their cool, chill uncle anymore. Suddenly they step up into the role of actual parent. I can see what you're getting at, but I do want to just clarify a few things. First of all, the godparent should never presume to be the actual parent. Because they're not... They, they can't fill the gap and they shouldn't try to fill the gap because that would be disrespecting the parent's wishes Disagree. as well. <laughs> no, let me just continue. That would be disrespecting the wishes of the parent and probably <laughs> the child. So, like, you can't say to the, the kid, like, oh, you know, dad's gone now. I'm your dad now. That's not 
that's not how it works. Like, because it's like, your dad's gone now and I'm going to do everything that I can to be what your dad wanted me to be to care for you. Like, you know, it's not, you can't just like take the place of the father. You have to, you have to respect the father's wishes and beliefs for that child in the best way that you can while still, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not just like (laughs) filling a gap. It's like, you have to just be, be a guide and be like a God parent, but you're not there actual parent i don't know how am i explaining this right i i understand what you're saying and like i love that we're still talking in vagaries around the idea of godparent as if we don't know exactly what we're both arguing already (laughs) but i just i i disagree i think you can be you know i'm living up to the role that your father laid out for me blah 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 as long as james is still alive (laughs) Let's, let's cut the bullshit as soon as james leaves like Sirius needs to step up into the role of actual parent. Actual parent who is actually raising this child. If I die and my parents are gone and I'm a young kid, whoever takes care of me needs to be my parent. It's not good enough for them to be just an adult that I know. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they're not your dad. (laughs) Like, they're still your parent and your guardian. Not literally. Yeah, that's what I was worried about. Like, they're still your parent and your guardian, but they're not your dad and they never should claim that they're your dad now. They're just... I'm your parent now. I'm looking after you now. No, of course. Yeah, that's course what I was not. contending. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Are we done? Yeah, it feels like we're misunderstanding each other still, but I'm sure we'll we'll sort it out over the next episode. Okay. So how I started this was I basically I read through all of Sirius's actions from when Harry is born to when Sirius dies. And I wow, okay, like listed the, I yeah, I listed them all, like all of his direct actions, and I'm like, okay, weighing up. Like, I didn't like it's. I'm obviously not going to go through them all because that's going to be tiresome. But I just sort of familiarized myself with mm-hmm. how serious acts, especially in relation to Harry, because you know that's what a parent is supposed yeah. to be doing. And I decided on whether or not his guardianship and his godfathership was good, and I said yes, it was good. So here's some of my arguments. <clears throat> okay, wow. I didn't do that, first of all. I just looked at his, like, general attitude towards Harry and some specific actions. Okay. So, my first argument is, did Sirius Black provide guidance to the child? To the child in question, which is Harry Potter? And my answer is yes. Would you like to contest me on this? No, I think he provides guidance to Harry. I'm not sure how yeah. valuable that guidance is. Sometimes it's not great. But that's fine. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say on that? No, I'm still listening to your points. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I contend strongly that Sirius Black provided guidance to Harry. And not just in that way, but he also told him so many valuable things about, like, you know, not everyone in the world's good and evil. Like, it's just we all have a mix of both in us. And what happened in the dream with Arthur Weasley being attacked by a snake wasn't your fault. You're not a bad person just because bad things have happened to you and all this stuff. Like... Every yeah. time Sirius gives Harry advice, it's so valuable because Harry didn't have that before third year. There's a moment in the fourth book that I love. It's like the beginning when Harry's wake, wake, woken up with his scar hurting and he's like, he wishes that he had someone to talk to. He wishes guiltily to himself that he had someone like a parent mm-hmm. to write to, to ask about this sort of stuff. And then he's like, wait, I do. I have Sirius. Like, and he's, it's just, it's Jim. so sweet. Like, it makes me cry. You're going to make me cry in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Harry writes to Sirius and he... He tries to 
frame what happened to him in a way where it seems kind of nonchalant and casual, but Sirius picks up on that right away. Sirius has a bullshit detector and he's like, no, this is, this is serious. <laughs> this is an issue. <laughs> and so he's, he assures Harry that like, you know, he doesn't know everything about this area, but that it's something of concern and that he is coming to like comfort Harry and do his best to help him. I think that's quite, mm. that's a parent response. Like, you know, <laughs> Harry yeah. had the need of the parent and Sirius provided in that moment. And I think it's, it's just beautiful. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my first point. I do like that moment when Harry's like, oh, you know, I, I had kind of a bad dream. I'm a bit worried about it. And then Sirius is like, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he's coming from like, you know, fucking it's good. <laughs> from the Caribbean or something. Like he's, <laughs> he's crossing oceans to come to <laughs> Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that is a good moment. <laughs> so yeah, in more in so many ways that the book Sirius provides guidance to Harry. Was Sirius another ear for Harry? Was he a person to go to? Yes. Like I just mentioned that moment now. He was yeah. finally a person in Harry's life that he could go to to ask these complex grown-up questions, but he knows that he's going to get an answer that's not trying to coddle him. And this is what I want to talk about more is Sirius is possibly the only adult in Harry's life, like the only mentoring figure in Harry's life that doesn't treat him like a child. Mm -hmm. Sirius gives credit where credit is due, is what I should say. Sirius obviously has a protective streak over Harry and looks out for his safety on many occasions, but he doesn't coddle him. Like he knows when Harry is mature enough to handle a subject and he wants Harry to be prepared to handle the hard truths of life. He doesn't try to, like, baby him. And that's okay, because there are plenty of other people in Harry's life that do try to protect him from those sorts of things. Like Molly, like Arthur, Dumbledore doesn't tell Harry shit. <laughs> like, Lupin's quite protective of what Harry should and should not know. But Sirius is always that person that Harry knows he can go to and he can get a, a responsible and truthful answer from in terms of what Harry needs to know. And I think that's that's very valid, considering not just who Harry is in terms of the world. Like, Harry is so important to the, the, like, the protection of the world, and Harry needs to know certain things to be able to fulfil his duty. But also, I think, on a more personable level, Sirius knew James and Lily, and he knew that they would want Harry to grow up to be a responsible, independent brave young man like they were well Lily was a woman you know what I mean a brave young person <laughs> and I think Sirius uh, isn't trying to brave young men James and Lily <laughs> yeah I think Sirius is just trying to do the best that he can to make Harry into that person to guide him into being that person the way that James and Lily would have wanted so yeah uh that's <laughs> that's my point would you like to contest <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that was very impassioned and it was very beautiful. And I didn't interrupt because you were doing well. But when you're saying like all the other adults in Harry's life treat him like a child, I was like, yeah, good. <laughs> he is a child. Yes, he should be treated like a child. Uh huh. I know when when we say that we tend to say it condescendingly, like, oh, you know, you're treating me like a child, and I want to be treated like a child. But children are supposed to be treated like yeah. children. There's a reason why every other adult in Harry's life does this. And I think for Sirius, it's less about... Okay, let me phrase this good. Okay. Sirius treats Harry like a child... No, sorry. Sirius treats Harry like an equal, not because he thinks that mm -hmm. Harry is more of an adult, but because he thinks of himself as younger. I think in Sirius's head... 
not literally, but he feels like he's more Harry's friend and he's more on Harry's sort of level rather than Harry is on his level in terms of maturity. I think Sirius, I think J.K. Rowling said this as well, has sort of like a case of arrested development where he Mm -hmm. went to Azkaban when he was very young and dealing with a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and he never really had a chance to recover and be free of that and grow up. Whereas people in Harry's life like Lupin and, you know, Molly... Yeah. were able to move on after the war and yeah. grow up into actual adults. Sirius is stuck. But is that his fault? I didn't say it was his fault. Like, you make a valid point, even though J.K. Rowling said that, and I have dismissed her in the past. <laughs> you make a valid point that Sirius does have a strong case of arrested development. But I don't think that we can hugely criticise him for that, because it's it was because of reasons beyond his control Okay, that that... <laughs> eventuated i disagree um but let me finish let me finish (laughs) okay yeah let me finish um (laughs) that being said sirius treats harry as an equal yes but not all the time there are certainly times when sirius puts harry's safety before his own and i think that's what any parent would do like that instance i just talked about where sirius is like i'm coming back to make sure you're okay Mm -hmm. and sirius when Harry's name was put in the Goblet of Fire, Sirius is like, I'm coming to Hogsmeade, even though he was in great danger to do so, and I'm living off rats in a cave to make sure that I can be there for you if you need me. Yeah. He sends him the paw, the paw print on the on the parchment, sorry, right before the third task, just to let Harry know that he's thinking of him. Mm-hmm. Sirius always has Harry's best intentions at heart. Yeah. Does Sirius see himself as more like a friend equal to Harry? Well, I think that's a question that can't be answered with asking... Does Harry see Sirius as a, a, a vessel to his father, the way that Sirius sees Harry as a vessel to James? It's a two-way street. And I don't think that... I mean, yeah, it can. if it goes too far, it could be a problem, but I don't think it does go that far because they both still love each other for who they are. And I think it's okay that Harry has someone in his life who he can look to and think, maybe this is what my father would be like if he were alive mm-hmm. now. And Sirius has the same for the friend that he lost. But then again, Sirius does recognise that Harry isn't like James on some occasions because he sees the lily in him as well. But like, anyway, where was I going with this? <laughs> um, so I, f- I feel like you're arguing with yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, what was your What was your question again? Arrested Development. Okay. I feel like the two of us are arguing the same thing. We're both arguing Sirius treats Harry like an equal. No. And you're saying that's a good thing and I'm saying it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's a good thing because he doesn't treat Harry like an equal all the time. There are certainly times where he's parental and like, no, you shouldn't do that. That's dangerous. And yes. like, I'm not okay with this happening and all this sort of stuff. Like, But I think that the way that he treats Harry mm-hmm. in terms of letting Harry know things and... Take, encouraging Harry to take risks. I think it's because Sirius has been proven by Harry himself, Harry's actions of himself, that Harry isn't just a kid. Yes, he's a child, but he's very mature for his age and he has gone mm-hmm. through so much that you can't just like give put these restrictions on him without good reason. Because Harry's... like By the time Sirius knew Harry, Harry had defeated Voldemort for a second time. He'd broken 50 school rules and killed a snake and like you know he's stolen a hippogriff and gone back in time <laughs> to save someone he just met and like it's it's you know harry's harry's one who takes risks who does things that are bold but always turn out right in the end because he has the best interests at heart and all this sort of stuff and harry 
especially when the times you're talking about, like later on the series after Voldemort's return, Harry's gone through such a traumatic event, and I don't, I think mm-hmm. Sirius is one of the only people directly involved in Harry's mentorship that really takes that on board and recognizes that Harry's matured a lot now, and he really needs to know things that he didn't know before and to be treated more like an adult because he's you can't just expect yeah. that a child goes through these things and remains the same innocent, soft. Prote- like little protected ball that they need to be they, like they you need to give them credit where credit is due mm-hmm. that's a really good point because i was yeah i was going to say something like I, I don't even know sorry i've lost track of what i was thinking <laughs> there's multiple times where i've wanted to jump in and interrupt with points but i'm like oh, i'll just let her keep going and then i lose track of what i was gonna say the big argument between sirius and molly at the beginning of book five when yeah. sirius is like we need to tell harry certain things mm-hmm. and Molly's like, no, 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 they're children, they need to be protected. Yeah. I'm really torn on that. Because they're both kind of right. Because they're both right. Mm. First of all, as a reader, reading this series as a child, and by child I mean teenager, I was about Harry's age when I was reading the books. Yeah. Growing up with them, like, like we all were. I really liked Sirius, especially in that situation, because I was like, you know, Harry's competent, he's capable, he's faced Voldemort before the same sort of arguments you're saying it's like he should be told what's going on and he should be allowed to dear his own destiny i guess and mm-hmm. partially i think that's right considering everything harry's been through and everything that he will have to go through in the future but then there's mm-hmm. the part of me now that is a lot older and a lot more mature who looks at harry and sees someone who's just so young and struggling Mm. to keep up with all the things that keep happening to him. Yeah. And there's the part of me that's like, uh, you know, I don't have kids, but if I did have kids one day and somebody was trying to treat them the way that Sirius treats Harry, I would never want them to interact with that person again. Because, you know, it's the role of a parent to protect their kid. Yeah. And I don't think Sirius does a good job of protecting Harry. Okay. I understand your like emotional journey from reading the books as a teenager to reading them now like I, I've been through something <laughs> similar obviously I'm not as old as you but I, I know what you mean <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not as old as you crow <laughs> crypt keeper <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah I know I know what you mean but that being said <laughs> I just have to say that like at this point this particular context Harry was like the the thing that they were trying to keep from Harry was that Voldemort was trying to... They suspected Voldemort was trying to find some sort of weapon in Harry by using Harry, right? That was what they were keeping from him. Well, they didn't They didn't tell it was in Harry. They imply that Voldemort's trying to find something, and Harry, using his own detective skills, figures out that that something is in the Department of Mysteries. Yeah. I think it might have helped Harry to know that information straightforward from the beginning. Obviously because of plot and story development you don't want harry to know this information but Mm. looking at it from a a point of view of like helping a child harry's been through a lot i know he's young but wouldn't this information that voldemort's looking for something we think it has something to do with the ministry we don't know for sure yet we thought you should know because of this situation being directly about you and because this is something that surely worries you. Like, you can mm. see Harry's fucking stressed all the time. Surely if the adults in the room had 
agreed with Sirius. Obviously, Sirius was like... Sirius and Molly were both yelling at each other, so it was hard to find reason in that room. <laughs> but Sirius had a point. Like, you know, trying to protect Harry from the truth doesn't protect him from himself. Yeah. Like, he is ruining himself because he can't figure out... He feels like everyone's hiding things from him, and mm-hmm. he feels alone and isolated, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. Yeah. Like... <laughs> So I think Sirius had a such, like, I think he had the stronger point in this argument. Yes, I agree, Harry is a child, and he doesn't get treated like a child enough by the people in his life. But there are cert- certainly plenty of people in that room, Lupin, Arthur, Molly, Hagrid, who treat Harry like a child in the good way, mm-hmm. like you said before, where they, they try to protect him and, like, not put so much on his shoulders. I think it's okay that Sirius is a person who's, like, he's we shouldn't be afraid to give him knowledge that could help him that could like you know make him feel more prepared and more in control of who he is yeah you know what i mean i know like obviously Sirius isn't trying to yeah Sirius isn't trying to dump a terrible terrible burden on harry that's not his intention Mm. he's trying to make sure that harry is informed and like prepared because hiding the truth from harry could put harry in more danger it's it's a hard situation like i've said because you're right both (laughs) molly and Sirius are right no one's entirely right and no one's entirely wrong Mm. but i feel like for Sirius, it's coming less from a place of you know we need to tell harry certain things for his own mental health and for his own safety i feel like in Sirius's mind he's still stuck in the stage of like i'm young i'm teaming up with my good friends james lupin james remus and peter and we're going to take on the world. And it's us against, you know, the government and the ministry and blah, blah, blah. He's stuck back in the mindset of when he was at Hogwarts and when he was in the first Wizarding War. And now he's like, now it's me and Harry and we're against the world. And I don't I don't feel like it's coming from a, a responsible adult sort of place. It's coming from a young, rebellious sort of place. Do you know what I mean? I just, I have to disagree partially. I think sure there might be an inkling of that but i think overall it's coming from a place of like Sirius himself has gone through some dark shit he has been to azkaban Mm. for 12 years and he's got so much weight on his shoulders from that experience and i think Sirius in this book in the fifth book sees that harry is going through something similar and so i think maybe yeah there was that streak in him of like you know, Harry, he's so much like his father and, and me and him can have this connection that no one else can have and all this sort of stuff. But I don't think that he, Sirius wasn't considering the fact that Harry was clearly struggling and that knowing what was coming up against him could have helped Harry to feel better and centre himself. Because that's exactly what Sirius did in Azkaban. When he was in Azkaban, the knowledge mm-hmm. that he was innocent and that Harry was out there safe somewhere, was what kept him sane and alive in that place. So Sirius might have thought that giving Harry something similar to hold on to would keep him centred as well. That's a good point. That is a truly excellent point. Thank you. And I'm really glad you said that because I want to shift away from this because I feel like we're cycling (laughs) and just having this repeating the same arguments back and forth. And I want to move towards Sirius in Azkaban. So good point. Well said. You wrapped up that section. Now let's talk about Sirius in Azkaban. (laughs) Okay. One of my big reasons for Sirius being a bad godfather is that he's just absent. He's he's in jail for 12 years. He's not around to help Harry. He's just fucking gone. Okay. Whose fault is that? Like, 
<laughs> really. <laughs> if he could have been there, he would have. Yeah. But see, here's the thing. Like, I'm approaching this not from a position of like, you know, is Sirius personally responsible for everything that ever happened to him in his life? I'm being like, let's analyze the situation as it stands. Is he a good godfather? No, because a good godfather would have been there for him from the day one, protecting him, raising him, guiding him, all that sort of stuff. And Sirius just wasn't because he was caught up in his own revenge scheme, which led to him being completely absent from Harry's life for all of his formative years. So the revenge scheme, as you call it. Yeah. What happened was Sirius encounters Hagrid in the blasted remains of the Potter house. And he's like, hey, that's... Harry's my responsibility now. I have to take care of him. And Hagrid's like, nah, Dumbledore's orders. I've got to take him to this safe, this safe place and his aunt and uncle's mm-hmm. where he'll be safe. And Sirius is like, he argue, there's a, they talk about, they argue for a bit and then Sirius finally gives in. Yeah. Then Sirius is like, all right, Harry will be safe because Hagrid will take care of Harry and Dumbledore will take care of Harry. Harry will be safe. What can I do now to make Harry is more, make sure Harry is more safe. His, his best friends in the world have just been murdered and he knows there's only one person who it could have been and that person isn't going to stop or that person and their friends aren't going to stop until Harry is murdered as well. Mm-hmm. The best thing that Sirius can do to protect Harry right now and to give justice to Harry, he was just robbed of his family, is to go after Pe- Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> Did Sirius know that going after Peter would get him landed in Azkaban with no trial for 12 years? No. No of course way not. he knew that. Of course he didn't know that. No. No. He thought that if he went after Peter, he could take Peter, because he knew him his whole life. Mm. <sighs> like, it's just, it's an unfortunate circumstance that he was sent to Azkaban with no trial, and Dumbledore didn't do anything to help, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it's an unfortunate circumstance that he was stuck there for 12 years, depressed, malnourished, only clinging on to the one hope that Harry's alive and he is innocent. That is the two things that kept him alive. <laughs> and then, <laughs> years later, after thinking that Peter Pettigrew's long and gone, run off into the mist somewhere, he finally gets inkling that Pettigrew's alive and realises that Pettigrew's at Hogwarts. And he's like, fuck. And he's like, Pettigrew is so close to Harry, he could kill him at any given chance, and no one knows but me. No one in the world knows but me. And so he escapes. And let me just... Go to a fact here. Okay. I have this written down and I was like, this is shocking. Okay. This is a very interesting interpretation of events by you. I disagree with several of your points so far, but you, you okay. keep talking. Sirius escapes and he swims across the North Sea. Okay, so I did some research. <laughs> the North Sea okay. is 970 kilometers long and 580 kilometers wide. Now, I don't know where Azkaban <laughs> is, but that's a big ass sea. It is listed as one of the most dangerous seas in the world. Mm. It's fucking cold and stormy all the time. I don't know how the fuck he managed it. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, that's fucking incredible. But anyway, he gets he goes across the North yeah. Sea. He's living as a dog. He's a wizard. Yeah, he's living as a dog and, like, he's, he's fucking eating rats and he's just trying to, like, get pedigree. <laughs> like, it's, it's admirable. It's, it may seem crazy, mm-hmm. but sometimes the craziest things... <laughs> for the best reasons. <laughs> okay. You've you've told your version of events. <laughs> now let's look at my version of events. <laughs> so Sirius meets Hagrid <laughs> in yeah. the ruins of the Potter house. Yeah. I think he's like, not really thinking clearly. He's like, James and Lily are dead. Well, I'm Harry's godfather, so I've got to have him. And then Hagrid's like, no, no. And then in that moment, Sirius starts thinking, hang on. 
James and Lily are dead. It it was Peter. Peter betrayed us, blah, blah, blah. And then from then on, his only real thought process is, I have to track down Peter Pettigrew and I have to kill him because he betrayed us. And he is the reason James and Lily are dead. And I don't think he's really motivated by protecting Harry. I think he's motivated by revenge. So he fails. He goes to Azkaban. And then the whole time that he's in Azkaban, you said that there were two things keeping him going. Wanting to protect Harry and the notion that he's innocent. That's not how I remember it. I remember him saying there was only one thing that kept him sane, which was the idea that he was innocent. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) I feel like you're doing some editorialising. Sometimes people can read between the lines, Rhea. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. He's only keeping himself sane with the idea that he's innocent. And then... Why does he break out of Azkaban? Is it because he's like, oh my god, Harry's out there and he's got no one and he needs me? No. He's like, hey, that's fucking Peter Pettigrew. I see him. He's on that guy's fo- that shoulder in the photograph. So his whole motivation for escaping from Azkaban is about tracking down Peter Pettigrew and killing Peter Pettigrew. I don't think it's about wanting to protect Harry or wanting to reconnect with Harry and be a good parent because... If he did that, like, he could have contacted Harry. Okay. He was out of Azkaban for, like, a full year before he contacted Harry. He goes to see Harry and look at him, Mm -hmm. but, like, send him a fucking letter, dude. He doesn't do that. He's like, I've got to live in the woods and eat rats or whatever. Okay. He doesn't think. (laughs) He's not rational. Okay. Look, we're not here to argue whether or not Sirius is rational. We're here to argue whether or not he's a good godfather. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say. A good godfather would have sent a letter to his godson. And been like, by the way, I didn't kill your parents. Tracking down the guy who did, I'll catch up with you soon. Okay, let me just say, Sirius wasn't just motivated by, I'm gonna get Peter. His quotes in his delusioned cell state of mind was, he's at Hogwarts, he's at Hogwarts, he's at Hogwarts. So the notion that Peter Pettigrew was at Hogwarts was haunting to him. Yeah. Because Harry's at Hogwarts, obviously. Sirius knows this. So it was the motivation to kill Peter Pettigrew, sure. Me too. I would want to do that. But also the fact that Peter's at Hogwarts is that extra level of urgent and danger. He needs to get there before Peter Pettigrew decides to kill Harry. So, Sirius doesn't know that Peter Pettigrew's been going to Hogwarts all these years. He has no idea about that. Um, so, where does Sirius go first when he reaches shore after swimming through the fucking North Sea? Hmm. <laughs> he goes to Little Whinging. He goes to see that Harry's okay. That's his first point of call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a dog and he's growling in a dark alleyway and being spooky. <laughs> but that's just him being dramatic and not knowing how to communicate the fact that, yeah, I'm your long-lost godfather who's wanted for murder. Hey, you can believe me. Please believe me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I keep coming back to. Sirius doesn't know what people... <laughs> Sirius... Sorry, continue. Sirius spends the entire third book acting like a fucking lunatic. <laughs> Sirius, at some point in the third book, he breaks into a wizard's house and steals their wand. Sure. Like, that doesn't make any sense, but he does it. Why is a wizard leaving their wand unattended in their house? (laughs) Whatever. If a dog came in and picked up your, like, phone, would you let the dog have the phone? Or would you battle the dog? (laughs) I'd let the dog have the phone. He needs it more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Look... You made a good point. If I was home with my my phone in my hand and a dog came in through the window and snatched it, I think I'd just fucking get out of there. <laughs> I'd be like, something something bigger is happening. I am the side character in this dog story. 
<laughs> but yeah, Sirius, like, it's just, I keep going back to why didn't he write a letter? At some point, he's got a wand, he could get parchment, he could get a quill, he managed to somehow send an owl to Gringotts Bank and be like, hey, use all my gold to buy a really expensive broom. At no point was he like, I could send a letter to Harry, giving him, like, a brief summary of what's happened. He could send a letter to Remus Lupin, even, if he didn't trust that Harry would believe him. Being like, here's what happened, it was Peter, he's still alive, I'm trying to find him, blah blah blah. Just to be like, give someone in the world some idea that maybe he's not a lunatic. But no, no, no. He's like, I'm going to hide in dark alleys. I'm going to break into the Gryffindor boys' dormitory with a fucking knife. (laughs) Okay. Everything that Sirius does (laughs) is like what a serial killer would do. Okay. So, you're saying Sirius should have just written to someone and communicated what the truth was. Okay. Yes. Still still try to track down Peter Pettigrew. Like, I get it. You're on your revenge quest. You're not being a good godfather, but you've got your motivation. <laughs> Imagine that your best friends have been murdered. Done. You try and seek justice mm-hmm. for them. And you end up getting framed for the murder of the people that matter to you more than yes. anything in the world. And although you scream and protest and try your best to explain, maybe a day later, maybe years later, yep. no one believes you. No one ever believes you for 12 years. Do you think that when one day you finally got out of that mess and were brought face to face with the person, with the son of your best friends, that if you just spoke to them, if you just communicated through letter, that you'd think in your heart that that person would believe you? No, but I'd still send the letter anyway. (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) Because one... I don't know what people have been telling Harry about me all these years. I'm talking from Sirius' perspective now. Yeah. For all I know, people like Dumbledore or Hagrid or anyone of Harry's mentors could have been telling him for years that, yeah, I'm I'm a horrible, horrible person. I'm the reason that Harry has no family and will never know family like that. There's no way I could possibly try and put into written word how that makes me feel and how I could possibly try and make it up to Harry and that it's all not true. There's no way I could put that into written word. The only way I can express that to someone is face to face. And I'm a person who enjoys writing and loves communicating through the written word. (laughs) There are people like me, there are people out there who don't communicate well through a written word. And I think Sirius is one of those people. Mm -hmm. I think Sirius is a very emotive person. He needs to be able to, he loves telling people things to their face. So I think that he's not the kind of person (laughs) who would be like, the best way for me to, de- to deliver this news to Harry or to Lupin is by writing them a letter. He needs to be able to talk to them. And okay. I think that's perfectly valid. I don't think that is a detriment against Sirius's good godfatherness to not have written a letter. I think it wouldn't have worked. I'm not, I'm not expecting Harry to get this letter and be like, oh my god, Sirius is innocent. Wonderful. I'll go help him now. Like, I get... I'm not trying to say that the entire scene at the end of the third book in The Shrieking Shack could have been accomplished with a single letter. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is, getting back to the good godfather argument, if I am in serious Black's boots, I've just broken out of Azkaban, I'm going to hunt down Peter Pettigrew. If I'm a good godfather, what I'm thinking is, once I get Pettigrew and I prove that I'm innocent, I will be able to be there for Harry. Mm -hmm. But Sirius isn't thinking like that. Because if he was... 
he would be more focused on the prove that I'm innocent part than the get Pettigrew part. Sirius was intending to track Pettigrew down and kill him, and if Pettigrew just showed up dead, then how would Sirius have ever proved anything that he was claiming? How would he have proved that he was innocent? You need Pettigrew alive to try and get the truth out of him. So, so if he was so worried about proving his innocence, something like sending a letter to Harry or to Lupin and trying to re-establish communication, that provides a paper trail. It shows that you're not, it shows that you're not crazy. It shows that you're not irrational and violent, blah, blah, blah. It gives people reasonable doubt saying, you know, maybe we should hear this person out, which means that when you show up later with Peter Pettigrew in hand, maybe you don't get killed on sight by the guards, the okay. Dementors. I'm not here to argue that Sirius's sanity was intact. <laughs> I don't think it was. I think that he was very much focused on... <laughs> I, I, like, I don't think no. he's hugely a person that thinks before he acts in the first place, but never mind the fact that he's been in Azkaban for 13 years, a place known to make people go insane. Mm. Um, I think that... Yeah. Yeah, he was intent on hunting down Pettigrew and killing him. Maybe if he stopped to think that through and been like, oh, hold on, that'll mean, that'll mean I'll never be proven innocent and I'll never be able to help Harry. I think as far as his thoughts went was, if I kill Pettigrew, Harry's safe. Harry's safe. And I'm safe and we're all safe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was as far as his thoughts went because it had been so long since he'd talked to another person. Never mind, like, you know talked to another person why can't i talk yeah <laughs> spoken to another person yeah he's it's been a long time since jem's talking to another person <laughs> thank you so, she doesn't know what she's talking talking <laughs> so yeah look i'm not gonna deny that Sirius isn't all there especially in book three he's very much like and book five no i think book five he's more stable but book three he's <laughs> very much like in the heat of the moment 24 7 like yeah he breaks Ron, Ron's leg. But hey, yeah. I'm not arguing is he a good godfather to Ron. <laughs> 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 he didn't break Harry's leg. <laughs> mm, like, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Check one, good godfather. Did he break my leg? No. <laughs> Look, that's my argument that Sirius wasn't all there and every intention that he had, whether it was a violent intention to kill Peter, was still in his heart. He was trying to do right by Harry and trying to do right, right by James and Lily. And I think that's what makes a good godparent. You try and do right by the wishes of the parents and for the safety of the child. That's the point. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is Sirius was unstable. He behaved erratically. He was either in prison, on the run, or trapped in his house and acting like a lunatic the entire time that Harry knew him. He was a huge source of stress to an already stressed boy. And... All of those things add up to a bad godparent. Irrespective of his intentions, he just wasn't a good godparent to Harry. I have to disagree. Sirius Black (laughs) was both a mentor and a father figure. He loved Harry and he put Harry's needs before his own all the time. Without Sirius's approach to Harry of not coddling him and encouraging him to take risks, Harry would not have become the independent man that his parents would have been proud of, nor the hero that he needed to be to save the world. But don't be mistaken, Sirius wasn't lackadaisical with Harry's safety. He still cared for him deeply and was always worried about Harry's safety and Harry's well-being. Like, let's take, for example, when 
Snape was supposed to be teaching Harry occulency. Sirius was like, if Snape gives you any mm-hmm. hardship at all, I want you to contact me straight away. Because Sirius is wise. He, he knows that Snape is a fucking cunt. And that, like, it's important <laughs> yeah. that Snape help Harry in this situation. But if it could be anyone else in the world, Sirius would choose that person. Because Snape is the worst person to be in Harry's mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And when Harry was like, oh, I've stopped going to the occlumency lesson, Sirius was like, hey, no, those lessons are very important. Go back and keep doing them. I'll talk to Snape and I'll make sure that he keeps teaching you. If Sirius had really been, like, Harry's friend or treating Harry like James and... Harry had been like, I don't want to go to Oculomancy lessons anymore. They suck. Snape's a cunt. Sirius would have been like, oh yeah, that's 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 cool. You shouldn't have to go to there. Snivellus sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. But no, because Sirius is being a guardian to Harry. He's like, no, you have to go to those lessons. It's imperative for your safety. And I'll talk to Snape and I'll deal with that. Like, you just worry about yourself. Like, that's exactly how a parent would respond. That is how a parent would respond. <laughs> it... It's also true, like, a friend could respond like that. Like, if my friend was like, oh, I hate my swimming lessons because the teacher's a cunt, I'd be like, you have to learn how to swim. I don't want you to drown. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, like, we're talking about how Sirius interacted with James. Yeah. Sirius wouldn't have said that to James. No, I guess not. No. I'm, I think I'm more of a responsible friend than Sirius was. <laughs> Look, like, you can make the argument that Sirius isn't enough of a guardian to Harry. Like, he doesn't treat... He doesn't put Harry's safety into account and I really think that people are just drawing from the movies when they make that comment like sure there are times when Sirius encourages Harry Mm -hmm. to take risks but they're always risks that as far as Sirius knows Harry is perfectly comfortable with because like I said when Sirius met Harry he'd gone back in time to save a stranger he'd never met killed a snake blah 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 done all this bold risky stuff breaking a million rules and still Mm. doing it for the right reasons Sirius never encourages Harry to break the rules just for the hell of it. He encourages Harry to pursue the DA Uh, because he knows it's the right thing and because he knows it's good for Harry to be doing that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he's like, fuck yeah, stick it to the old people because, like... (laughs) Yeah. There is the time when Sirius is like, in the fifth book, I want to come to Hogsmeade and meet up with you and we'll have a cool, fun time. And Harry's like, no, that's too dangerous. Don't do that. And Sirius is like, you're less like your father than I thought. That was pretty fucking rude. And that was a time when he was trying to make Harry be more reckless. And Harry was like, no, because if you do that, your life will be in danger. Like I said, that this is a Sirius that's known Harry to do way more reckless things. Sirius doesn't consider his life of much value. That's not really of a fault of his own. That's because of all he's been through. Sirius is a soldier who's gone through so much trauma that he thinks, like, you know putting his life a little bit at risk to make sure that Harry's okay is fine. To Harry, that's something terrible. Yeah. Okay, so the less like your father than I thought mine. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. One, um, Sirius has no reason to believe that Harry isn't a lot like James. As long as Sirius has known Harry, he's been taking risks for greater than the one in question in this context, like I just said. Mm-hmm. Two, of course Sirius is going to defer to his knowledge of James when it comes to raising Harry. That's what a godparent should do. Three, this line is a remark of surprise, not an effort to try and manipulate Harry. This is a moment when Sirius realises that Harry isn't as gun-ho as he presumed. I mean, who knew, based on all that Harry's done in the past? Four, Sirius certainly would have apologised if he had thought that his words had upset Harry in any way. Harry gave no indication that they did. Look, we've all said things that we regret. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say about that line. <laughs> I don't think Sirius was maliciously trying to force Harry to do anything. I think he was just goading him on, and then when he realised that Harry doesn't want to do that. He was like, oh, 
like surprised. It was it was more like an act of shock than an act of aggression. I, I don't think, think that's what I'm saying. I don't think it was aggressive, but I don't think Sirius like, oh, you're less like your father than I thought. I think it was more like, huh, you're less like your father than I thought. Then, like he was he was disappointed and resentful because Sirius felt cooped up and he wanted to do something reckless and dangerous because that's the kind of person that he is. And he was upset that Harry didn't want to go along with it because Harry's usually game to do reckless shit. Yeah. But not when it's going to put serious life in danger and might end up with serious back in Azkaban. I mean, look, I said what I said. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> I, th- I don't, yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah. I don't think it was him being resentful. I think it was more just him being surprised, to be honest. Like, I'd be surprised if I was in his boots and Harry said that to me. Okay. Is there anything else that we wanted to bring up? No, I've pretty much gone through all of my points. Yeah. I think, like, my main argument is. Whether or not he's fully responsible for his actions, or for his circumstances and for the things that happen during his life and during Harry's life, Sirius doesn't make a good godfather because a good godfather is somebody who would be there for Harry, taking care of him, and Mm. Sirius just can't be that person for basically the entire length of time that he knows Harry, or the entire length of Harry's life. He can't be that person for him. Um, I would just like to say that Sirius tried everything he could to be the best godfather that he could for Harry. Like, when, almost as soon as he and Harry got, like, you know, met properly and everything was explained and, like, Wormtail was in bonds, Sirius turned to Harry and was like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm your godfather and if you want a place to stay, I'd understand if you don't want to. And Harry's like, yes! Like, (laughs) I think, you know, Sirius was fucking up and willing to do that instantly (laughs) because he wanted to be there for Harry and it was just bad luck that he couldn't do that he couldn't open his doors to Harry when you try your best but But you you don't don't succeed succeed. yeah (laughs) I think you know he has his moments of instability as anyone would who's gone through what he's been through but I think Sirius Black loved Harry unconditionally. He always put Harry's needs before his own and provided Harry with more personalised emotional support in a way that no one else could. He acted as a mentor for Harry but never coddled Mm -hmm. him, encouraging him to be his own man and treating Harry with the maturity that his experiences had granted him. He did the best he could with the time that he had and he wasn't perfect, but I don't think Sirius was a bad godfather. I think he was a very good godfather and that's why Harry named his firstborn after him. So... Yeah. Not only in his life, but in his legacy, Sirius does a lot to teach Harry and bring guidance to Harry. And I think that's powerful. Mm. That's all I have to say. I guess I agree with everything you said. I think all of that's true. I just think, like like I said, he's tried his best, but he didn't succeed. That's my whole take on it. I don't think that makes him bad. <laughs> I don't think it makes him good. <laughs> so I guess... In the end, I think we're both right. Like, Molly and Sirius, we're both right. I guess the, the question we're asking is, is Sirius a eh, good father? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, did Sirius do the best that he could under the circumstances? Yes. Was that good enough? Uh, uh, it's debatable. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> I've been Jem, and I support Sirius Black. I've been Rhea, and my heart is where Sirius truly lives. My heart, right here. Thanks for listening to Podcast 9 and 3 Quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. 
You can send us an email at 9andthreequarterspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Tumblr, Facebook and Instagram at podcast9andthreequarters or talk to us separately on Twitter. Rhea is at smashmouthria and Jem is at Jem underscore just Jem. Please feel free to send theories or ask questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the sea just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com. This week's intro music was The Serious Deception by Nicholas Hooper, and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.